Hello there. You are listening to At The Well, the weekly Bible podcast that helps you see yourself in the stories of Scripture. I'm Jarrell. I'm Charles. And I'm Eli. And we're delighted that you're joining us for this week's discussion. Gentlemen, it's it's four days till Thanksgiving and all through the Zoom. Not a creature was stirring. Yeah, how we doing today? I was like, oh man, this is about to be real creative. Where's right. This, how is nope. this going <laughs> to And it didn't. Nope. <laughs> it didn't. <laughs> I, I thought of that seconds before we started recording. And it was like, I don't know what I'm going to say. So I'm just going to say it and see if anything comes up. And it did not. A freestyle rapper, <laughs> I am not. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> that made my day a little better. <laughs> Yeah, I'm doing well. I feel like this has been a pretty restful weekend, so it's good. I'm looking forward to a short week. It's I know we say this every month, but I genuinely don't know where November went. Like, I didn't realize that next week was Thanksgiving until, like, Friday. And I was like, oh, oh, well, that's nice, but oh, <laughs> like, who allowed this? I always feel like the last four months of the year just kind of evaporate like Mm -hmm. they're just such a a mesh of or at least in school it was like such a mesh of deadlines and weird breaks and odd periods of time off and work has sort of like allowed that to subside now it's just like all right well here's my vacation time but still i'm glad i'm doing this though i feel like my time is much uh is, is well used doing this with you same same well it's getting started with our questions of the week segment if you'd like to submit a question for us to answer during the segment you can email us at three guys at the well at gmail.com that's the number three then guys at the well all one word and lowercase at gmail.com so this is given my my excellent uh rhyming lead-in at the beginning of the the show this is a question themed on thanksgiving and it's actually a two-parter so the first one is General thoughts on Turkey. It's kind of the centerpiece of everything. General thoughts on Turkey. And the second one is, what is your favorite Thanksgiving side? It's a side dish. I am so disappointed with how dry turkeys can be. Um, it's. I understand why it's a centerpiece, kind of, but not really. Um, I wish a juicier animal. <laughs> Um, yeah but my mom makes a fantastic pot roast so that's like also what i'm looking for that though that's not like a side that's not the thanksgiving side that we have i would say that my favorite um thanksgiving side is mac and cheese Mm. yeah good one that's a good one what about you charles turkey and favorite side I think my favorite mac and cheese is a good one, but I won't repeat it. Um, I will uh, say scalloped potatoes, you know, <laughs> cheesy scalloped potatoes. Let's be, let's be clear. Because um, <laughs> cheese makes everything better. Mm, agreed. Well, well. Um, I, you know, I think turkey's okay. I, I, I enjoy it. I will eat it. Um, I think all at Thanksgiving, there's always like a second meat option, which I also partake of. I'm not the biggest fan of ham, though. 
Mm. So oftentimes it's been ham and like, I definitely don't like ham as much as I like turkey. Mm. I, so I feel like I prefer ham to turkey. Like I'm not going to turn either down, but I feel like I'm more motivated by the <laughs> presence of ham. <laughs> it sounded weird. Motivated the presence for what? Of huh? <laughs> motivated for what? <laughs> like more, like some food is motivating. Some food isn't motivated. To like, do what? To eat it. There's some food that's just kind of like, yeah, I'll eat that if it's there. And some that it's like, oh, I'm going to eat this. <laughs> you act like it's a weird thing. You definitely have foods that you find more motivating. <laughs> I've never heard it phrased the way I love yeah, that. I don't, I don't know about that. We've been friends for how long? I've never said that to you. No. 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 <laughs> I, so I stole that from my friend Corey, who you both know, actually. Yes. We were, in a house we lived in in college, we all had a meeting to go to uh, with UCO, the outreach we were part of. And we were running late because um, we had hosted a bunch of people the night before and were really tired. And so it's all it's like four guys late for this meeting that is literally right down the street. Like it took five minutes to walk there. But we were kind of saying, we don't really want to go. Do we have to go? And there were they were so they were serving Panera for breakfast at this meeting. And I was like, we should probably go. And then Corey, my friend, looks at me and goes, I don't know. Panera's not motivating. <laughs> like, he wasn't willing. He's like, I'm not going to walk down the street just for Panera. <laughs> so that, that's where that comes from. Wow. Well, now you know. Shout out to you, Corey. You're fantastic. <laughs> Corey, old man, Landrum, Landrum. Um, yeah, so I, I prefer other meats. My mom usually makes chicken. Um, like, I don't remember the last time we had turkey with, like, my family. Um, and I prefer ham, but in terms of sides, I, re I also really like mac and cheese that that probably is my favorite. Um, but if I, but if I were to pick something, that's not that it is definitely cranberry sauce from the can has to be from the can. None of that so fresh stuff. Cranberry sauce that was homemade. And it just, I, I didn't want to be rude. <laughs> But it just like it wasn't bad, but there were like chunks of cranberry in it, and it was mush. It wasn't just like the ring, the gelatinous on it that it normally is from the can. What did you say? I said it wasn't the gelatinous goop that it is from the can. Yeah, that's what it needs to be. That's the way God intended it. It's natural. It is. <laughs> Love yeah. it. Only, only can cranberry sauce with like the little rings from the can around it. I will, yeah, I will eat nothing else. <laughs> oh, also sweet potato or pumpkin. Well, okay, let's be clear. Sweet potato pie is a is a must. It, it needs Thank you. to be present. Thank you. Absolutely needs to be present at Thanksgiving. Yes. Okay. Agreed. Yes. Pumpkin it's tastes okay. like dirt. What'd you say? <laughs> I said pumpkin tastes like dirt. It does. Thank you. I don't get pumpkin flavored things first of all pumpkin doesn't actually taste like anything that is labeled as pumpkin anything no it's just cinnamon. if you like pumpkin spiced flavored things you like cinnamon and nutmeg and uh star anise and some uh, that's what you like you don't like pumpkin pumpkin is the worst you can have a raw piece of pumpkin and be like mm, i need to throw this in the trash you could have a raw piece of sweet potato and think ah yes i am 
amazing. I microwaved the mess out of this. I'm a chef. Like, the <laughs> sweet potato tastes good by itself. It, pumpkin is the biggest imposter, I think, yeah. of all the foods. Because, like, it doesn't stand alone. Like, anything no. else you put in a pie, like cherry, apple, like, I would eat that. But pumpkin just isn't that. I... This is a whole, this is a different conversation. I get really worked <laughs> up about how fake pumpkin actually is. We'll save it for the Patreon. We'll save it for the Patreon. <laughs> just to rant about pumpkin for probably too long. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, the transition to something that has nothing to do with pumpkin, but does have to do with food. This week's passage, which is from Exodus chapter 16, verses 1 through 16. If you have your Bibles and you aren't driving, you can start turning there now while I set the scene. At this point in history, Israel had seen God bring many miraculous judgments upon Egypt. Swarms of locusts, frogs, painful boils, a dire pestilence, and the slaying of the firstborn in Egypt in a show of power and providence that instituted what we now know as Passover. And then when Israel fled their captors, God split the Red Sea for them to cross, only to close it up again on their enemies. Now free from Egypt, God led Israel by a pillar of smoke during the day and fire by night. But now came the biggest challenge of all. A task so grand that surely this God with literal plagues on his resume couldn't possibly have an answer. Now, Israel was hungry. And they journeyed from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt. Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat and we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. And it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. Then Moses and Aaron said to all the children of Israel, At evening you shall know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your complaints against the Lord. But what are we that you complain against us? Also, Moses said, This shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening, and in the morning bread to the full. For the Lord hears your complaints which you make against him. And what are we? Your complaints are not against us but against the Lord. Then Moses spoke to Aaron, say to all the congregation of Israel, the congregation of the children of Israel, come near before the Lord, for he has heard your complaints. Now it came to pass as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, I have heard the complaints of the children of Israel. Speak to them saying at twilight, you shall eat meat. And in the morning, you shall be filled with bread. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God. So it was that quail came up at evening and covered the camp. And in the morning, the dew lay all around the camp. And when the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of wilderness was a small round substance as fine as frosts on the ground. 
So when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, this is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather it according to each one's need, one omer for each person, according to the number of persons. Let every man take for those who are in his tent. Jonah's the layout of a, one of many instances of Israel complaining in the wilderness. What, what are some immediate takeaways? Bunch of petulant kids. That's that's my immediate takeaway. Old they man get, Charles in his rocking chair. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Kind of like Clint Eastwood and Gran Torino kind of vibe. <laughs> <Bunch> of- <laughs> holding up, holding a shotgun. Yeah. No, like seriously, like they get freed from is or from Egypt. They, I mean, your your expose like set it out beautifully, Jarrell. Like. <laughs> The, Lord, the hand of the Lord is so clearly on them, and they get a little hot and a little tired and a little hungry, and they're like, we're here, we're going to die, we're <laughs> like, and just complain, and just complain. And it's just, uh, that's what I, that's my takeaway, my, my first thought. It's a bunch of petulant kids. Okay, so I'm going to be a little bit more on Israel's side on this one. <laughs> so, like... My thought is, the summary of their complaint is, Lord, you have brought us from one form of suffering to the next. Like, being hungry and hot and wandering, like, in a desert is not comfortable at all. And we're saying this from, like, our individual homes with our ACs with access to food. (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) And so, like, it, it it's... I get it. It seems like, oh, well, God saved them from really harsh, like earlier in Exodus, and it's very clear that Egypt had a very harsh hand on Israel. Like they were overworked, they were tired, and and they needed to be free. Praise God for the freedom that they deserved. But the Lord also put them in a place that like revealed to them how vulnerable they actually are if not if if they were to venture away from him. And that's not a bad thing. Like it's good that the Lord brought them into that place. but I totally resonate with the whining that they did, even though I'm sure they know, I know we all know that they annoyed the crap out of Moses. <laughs> yeah. I think so much of Israel is, is the context of this instance and, and just so many others of just them being like, Oh, but, and I agree that it's like in context for what they are actually going through. It's like, Oh, God brought us to the desert to, to um, just kind of abandon this here. Um, but yeah, I think it, it it goes into really challenging their perception of who God is and like his goodness towards them that they forgot uh, so easily. Like to your point, Charles, it was like you, he did all these things and then brought you to this place and like for what? Um, and I think that, yeah, as much as I bag on Israel and I'm going to a lot in this episode, <laughs> um, I do resonate with like, uh, that kind of thinking of recognizing God in a difficult season of life and then having to learn to remember who he is in another difficult season. And how like a, a friend of mine said years ago uh, in a, a meditation he led once was, was that God is a God of remember is a God of remembrance. And we need to learn how to be a people of remembrance. Like God, when he shows up, especially in the old Testament, 
when he shows up in big ways, he often says like, I am the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is a way of saying like the history of like what I've done for my people is seen very clearly in these three people that are kind of like the start of the children of Israel as a way of reminding people, remember what I did. Like, remember what I've done through these lines and like consider that when you like think of me in your situation. And so I think there's a, a distinct challenge of Israel where uh, to remember, to remember, to remember who God is and to learn how to build that into the way that we think and pray and enter into situations of being a people of remembrance who are able to call on that fuller understanding of who God is, the same God that brought us out of slavery to Egypt, didn't bring us out just to kill us in the wilderness. And I mean, I, I prefaced this in the last episode, but I, as much as I call them the children of Israel, petulant kids, uh, I would call back to our just like us season and like everything you just said, Jarell, how often is it me and us where we forget what the Lord has done and can kind of spiral in the where has the Lord brought me? Where am I currently? And where is the Lord in this? And how is he going to provide? I know I've been there in my own life recently. How, how, where, why, and forget and, and being called to remember that the Lord has been faithful and has never left me and never forsaken me. So as much as I rag, ragged on them earlier, uh, I also recognize myself in the children of Israel. <laughs> Yeah, same. Um, I totally see myself in them. And one of the more encouraging notes to bring this back to like our overall, uh, I guess, topic of this of season three, which is about spiritual leadership and uh, children's need for it is like, or children's need for it. Um, Moses was the spiritual leader in so many ways for Israel as they were, you know, being led by the Lord. He was this physical um simple of like leadership for them and i guess the beauty and the power and the necessity of spiritual leadership is that um it doesn't take you out of suffering it shows you how to navigate suffering um and the difference between that is like we're we're told we're taught in romans 535 right um and we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Um, and so there's this realization that God shows us that all the suffering that we endure and that he quite frankly allows us to experience on the side of eternity has a purpose. Like Israel going, like being, sort of like catapulted into this exodus happened for a reason. God led them through um, the desert for a reason. Yes, they were being disobedient and that's ultimately what led to their wandering. But this is also so that they could see that God is a God who is, who provides and you can never know that God provides for you if you are, if you are never in need. And so there is a blessing um, embedded, embedded in being a people in need because there is a God who gives abundantly. That's an interesting, it's not, a, it is an interesting point. I think it's a profound point, but even thinking about the story, um, 
And being in spiritual leadership, I'm wondering, Eli, if maybe something that you were going to say or or maybe I, I'm not sure, but just thinking about how Moses and Aaron take the opportunity after Israel is complaining to be like, um, like this is, they kind of reorient it back to the Lord. They say, you're not complaining against us. You're complaining against the Lord. And he, he they kind of, it seems that it reads as like accusing them of complaining against the Lord, but maybe uh, to your point, Eli, maybe this is, as people with responsibilities to teach the flock, um, teaching them that that very point that you just gave, that like the Lord has not abandoned us. He's faithful. And he will not, just because we're faithful or he's faithful to us doesn't mean we're not going to suffer, but it's in those times that we seek him um, and we turn to him and we cry out to him. It's like, don't cry out to me. <laughs> turn to the Lord. <laughs> Amen. No, that's a really good point. That's a, excellent uh interpretation of that of kind of redirecting their focus and i think like practically in talking about spiritual leadership like Eli, you said something about helping people have the tools to like endure like difficult seasons and i think that there, there's something very practical about being someone who is in any sort of uh spiritual authority and like what do you do uh when you are shepherding a flock or people who are not content uh, in who God is or who are just objectively complaining. Um, whether it's your own kids, whether it's uh, uh, people that you're pastoring, whether it's um, a youth group, whatever it is, uh, what does it mean to be in Moses' position as like probably very frustrated uh, with Israel who uh, in this instance we see like didn't trust God to be who he had always been uh, as we see on Mount Sinai, try to replace God with a golden calf and just like all the ways in which Moses sees very clearly, this isn't you uh, raging against like human error. Like this is you doubting the very character of who God is. And so I, I think there's a a challenge there. I guess I'll, I'll put it to, to us to kind of uh, answer on like, how do you kind of what what do you, or what are things that you've seen as helpful perspectives of like when it does feel like okay you're just kind of complaining or where it does feel like your frustration here is not excuse me it's not invalid it's just being directed uh inappropriately like have you guys ever been in situations where you've had to be like had to sit through someone who's like maybe venting or complaining inappropriately and then think well how do i actually do what moses and aaron tried to do and shift their perspective to god to kind of see the bigger picture there yeah i most definitely have um with kids that i minister to or like uh people closer to my age that i pastor it's like and even my, and especially myself <laughs> more than anybody else that i know because i know me more than anybody else um trying to work through my own and other people's like form of entitlement. Like what does, and constantly having to ask my question, ask the question myself, what exactly does God owe you? Like, what do you feel like he has somehow promised you and not given you? What exactly are you entitled to? Like if, because if the answer at the end of the day is that God doesn't owe you anything, like everything he's offered to you is a gift. That means that things that need to, things need to be accepted as gifts. And also, um, 
comfort is not something that you're entitled to. Like oftentimes for me, I will complain about, or I will listen to people complain about like not a necessity, but a lack of ease or a lack of comfort or a lack of like simplicity in their lives. Um, and this is just like me and the people that I've spoken directly with. And that's not exactly a biblical perspective to have on like we're, God is not in is not uh, doesn't owe us a simple simple lives or clean lives or lives that don't require hard work. Uh, he actually says that persecution is promised. He says that um, that there are too few people actually out in the harvest fields doing work. He says that like there is work to be done. And one of the most glorious things that he offers us is good works for those who call themselves his disciples. And yeah, scripture checks us pretty easily, pretty aggressively, actually. Paul's very clear on a lot of things. <laughs> so like leaning into scripture and having a lot of friends who are older than me, quite frankly, who have lived life and worked through their own BS to sort of snap me out of it in very like gentle and respectful ways. Sorry if that was a long and tedious answer. Yeah, I think for for me, a lot of this work is in my own uh, processing and just learning how to bring disappointment before the Lord, like whether it's a lack of, of bread and quail like Israel or whether it's just like dissatisfaction in other, in other areas. And I don't know. It's tough because like when I think about my own relating to God and like knowing myself, like you said, Eli, knowing the things that I need, even with God, it's like, I recognize that there's a certain, like, there's a lot of patience that God has with me. And I like respond well to that. But there are also times where like, he just needs to call me out on things and just be like, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> like, like you're like you're actually just kind of whining right now, um, and so I think, yeah, for for me it is a lot of going to scripture and like being being willing to be convicted by scripture and being willing to be kind of put in my place by God's word. Um, but then it's this balance of like when I have, do feel like I'm complaining about something, this balance of knowing that God is big enough to handle it, but also remembering who I'm talking to. Like, I, I remember once when I was in, like, high school, uh, I think I, we, I think I've talked to you about this in, like, a talk I gave before. Uh, I, I, my mom and I had, like, a really big argument. And we were kind of going back and forth. And then we just kind of stopped. And then the next day we sat down to talk about it. Uh, and my mom this is, like, 16-year-old me. So just a nonsense person. Um, but my mom, in talking to me, was like, She's like, I'm glad that you feel comfortable enough with me to like tell me when I've upset you and to be honest with me. But also, I need you to remember that I am still your mom. Like, I need you to remember that there's a certain way that like, there's a certain reverence and like a deference you have that like, to not ignore ways that maybe I've like sinned against you or ways that like, we need to like, work on our relationship together. But there's also like a certain way that you just won't talk to me. Um, and I think like with God, I, I absolutely need that. I know that he's big enough, like he was with Israel to take all of these like petty, like things that I sling at him and he's big enough. And like, like a uh, Psalm 103 says, 
he knows our form he knows that we are dust he this is like as a father like like pities his children has compassion on his children so does god with us i know he's big enough to take it but there's something again going back to this idea of remembrance of like god can take all of my whining but i need to remember that he is god and i need to posture myself in a way that does call my mind to gratefulness and to being thankful and not an insincere way but as a means of kind of shifting that perspective so for me i need a lot of sometimes some tough love there um and then for others i don't know i it depends on the relationship i think (laughs) um and I think it's a big part of spiritual leadership. If I if I have enough of a context with someone to be to, to like, dude, you're you're a bit, you're you're off base here, and it, you're you're kind of coming off as yeah, a lot more whiny than I think you are. Um, then sometimes it's that, but I feel like for a lot of it, for some people and for a lot of people without that context, it's just from a, coming from a perspective of gentleness to help them kind of see to help them kind of articulate for themselves where there might be something amiss with how they view God and kind of get them to kind of talk and share about it, which in the process also helps them to kind of vent and be honest about what they're feeling. Um, I don't know. That was also kind of rambly, but I think it's, it's a tricky thing. Yeah, I think it is tricky. I, what I was thinking is what you said, Jarrell, um, is I find myself often, particularly in, in my, my college ministry, talking about being authentic with the Lord. Like the Lord doesn't want inauthenticity and he doesn't want necessarily like um, formal, you know, like we have to be all put together when we come to him. But like he wants to hear when we're upset and frustrated and, and like bring that to the Lord. Like what all but like all the while remembering and having a fear of the Lord, remembering who he is and what he's done for you. Like he doesn't want us to put on a face and he doesn't want us to hide from our frustration or from our irritation or from the struggle. Um, just like the Israelites were, um, they're expressing it. They're just expressing it to the, maybe the wrong person. Um, and Moses and Aaron kind of redirected it as we discussed, but, but it did the same for myself, like you guys have been sharing and for others and like bring that to the Lord, but, but remember who you're speaking to. Um, and, but, and also as we've been talking about this episode, remember, that like remember who you're speaking to in regards to having fear of the lord um and that he is god but also remember who you're speaking to in remembering his faithfulness towards you and then you can come with your sorrow with your grief with your frustration with your whatever um and he will hear you and he will provide you what you need just as he did the israelites in this situation yeah i i was coming out of a prayer time (laughs) one time and I was I was in the midst of like a bunch of complaining just like I was I was mad that I was still carrying some of the things that I carry I was mad that I was like still tempted in certain ways and that upset me because I thought that God was was supposed to like I thought that my relationship with God was going to change me in ways that quite frankly he didn't necessarily promise me um and like so I had formed unhealthy expectations for God and I was trying to call him on it in my prayer time, which is not, <laughs> which, <laughs> ah, man. And so like, I was encouraged by one of my friends, this is Matt Spieva, um, like just take time to be quiet in your prayer time. Like just shh, like give it five or 10 minutes where you're not focused on speaking or processing your own thoughts, but you're just like letting 
letting the spirit speak. Um, and like after like a good 20, 30 minutes of just chilling, not saying anything, just trying to like work, like I began to get a little bit of dis- like, actually not a little bit, quite a bit of discipline from God. So like I was reading through scripture and I am the Lord, your God, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Job 38 through 42, super humbling. God goes ham against Job. Um, but specifically this part, brace yourself like a man, I will question you and you shall answer me. Would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? Do you have an arm like God's? And can your voice thunder like this? Then adorn yourself, if so. And so like the point that you all were pointing to of, you will watch your tone when you speak to me is sort of like the beginning of the discipline that I got from God in that prayer time. It was just like, you look, I hear you, but the attitude, like that's, that's not born from anything good. Hush up, hush up. I gave you a mouth. You need to use that to honor me. <laughs> but like through this prayer time, I eventually got to like God telling me his character, remembering in scripture that he is righteous and that he is holy, he is steadfast. So he's a God of his word. If he makes a promise, it will come to pass. Um, reminding me that he is a father to the fatherless and he is someone who like loves people. He loves his image bearers and he is not uh, forsaken, uh, forsaken the oppressed or the forgotten. Um, but then also he says that he's a refuge. Like you can come to me and coming to me is a safe place and a good decision. So yeah, like it ended in like tenderness and affection, but it also began with, you better watch your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what's up. And then I, like in Job and Hebrews, like uh, in the middle of Hebrews 12, uh, it talks a lot about discipline and like embracing that as children of God. And so I think, and like to the point of like remembering who God is because of his provision, Israel complained, Moses, he, God called them out through Moses and Aaron but he also provided not because they complained, but because like he was always going to provide for them. And so there's, there's promise in going to the Lord with these things. And there's promise and also welcoming discipline from him. Like Hebrews talks about like remembering that we are God's children and what parent doesn't discipline those whom he loves. So when we are receiving that correction of like God saying like, watch how you speak to me and remember who I am. It's not because he delights in punishments because he wants to form our perspectives more fully on his character. And that's something that should be embraced, even if it's through a bit of a slap on the wrist when we find ourselves being a bit whiny. But so, so that ends the, the last story for this season of At the Wells, the end of season three. So given that it is our finale, we are going to wrap up as we always do with thoughts. So threads or just... Uh, things that have come to us in prayer, just things throughout recording this season that we th- that we are kind of going to take away as like closing, like as Charles would say, golden nuggets going from this season uh, into the next. Indeed, uh, golden nuggets. What are you mining from that what you have heard thus far? Um, I think for, for my golden nuggets, my uh, concluding thoughts for the season, um, I keep getting struck by this this idea of 
having a responsibility of both being shepherds uh, and being one, um, being people who are shepherded by our Lord, um, our responsibility to nurture, um, to shepherd our flock. And I think just my, my thoughts are really briefly just some lessons learned from the stories that we have read, um, how important it is for the community, the people that surround our youth, the youth that we serve, um, or the people that we serve, how important that is for the development and for opportunities um, to teach um, our, our kids um, what kind of example we're setting um, in the way that we're living, um, not uh, straying from difficult conversations, difficult situations, not abdicating our role um, as shepherds, as um, authority, um, whatever the case may be for whoever's listening, um, not abdicating our responsibility uh, because it's a God-given responsibility and one that we we don't have uh, the right to to avoid um, or to stray from, um, and investment really investing in, in the relationships that the Lord has put into our lives um, and doing so with the framework that God pursues a relationship first and foremost with me um, and his investment uh, was the cross. And I am called to invest that much um, into uh, the kids, into the youth um, that the Lord has put in my life in your life, in our lives. Well said, Charles. Um, for me, just like quickly jotting down notes of the different things that we flip through different passages and accounts. Um, so many of the characters we've read about and e even us, yeah, um, we are so much so a reflection of uh, the brokenness that we experience. And God gives us uh, authority figures um, and spiritual leaders to actually help navigate or help to teach us to navigate brokenness so that instead of mirroring or reflecting brokenness, uh, we instead uh, reflect God himself as his image bearers. Like that is the transition that God is about putting in place when he sends people our way. Um, and so to all the spiritual leaders who may be listening to this, persevere because you are good and you are necessary. And if you are under spiritual leadership, uh, you need it and it's a good thing. And sometimes you have to like be taught and just allow yourself to be taught. Hush and allow yourself to be taught. It's okay. You don't everything that's why you that's why god gave you people um and i am both someone with authority and under authority as it says in scripture and i am still learning that started learning to accept that i there's so much i don't know um but i encourage all of you who are listening like it's okay persevere absolutely that's a good word um i think there are two big things that stuck out for me and one is for those that find themselves in positions of spiritual leadership or in, or in some cases desiring those kind of uh, positions is to be clear, be crystal clear on the ways that leadership in the kingdom of God is very different from leadership in the world. 
I think that we can very easily be infiltrated by societal norms and uh, messaging around things from a worldly perspective. We can sometimes let that take our eyes off of what is actually biblical. And I think leadership in the world is something that's sought after because it, in some cases, it allows people to kind of act with impunity. And it's like a key to more resources and like more comfort. And it's like, I'm in charge of these departments or I have these people under me handling the work that I don't want to do. And I've got this salary now. And it, leadership for from a worldly perspective sometimes is sought after because of all the things that it can do for you. But that's not leadership in the kingdom of God. And there's a trepidation that we need to have when we recognize that there are flocks that have been entrusted to us. Um, Jesus says, those of you that desire to be great must become the lowest among you. He himself became the lowest among men in order to lead humankind to the Father and to bridge that gap. So I think the first thing is recognize if there's any area of your thinking about what it means to lead that is not rooted in what it means to lead from a biblical perspective. If there's a part of you that's kind of like, I just want to be recognized as this title or with this authority and pray for the Lord's grace to give you a fuller perspective on that and to approach uh, that those roles with more trepidation and a sense of responsibility and a sense of abiding in who God is to even carry out that work. I think that all of us, whether, yeah, whether we're coaches, parents, youth pastors, need to pause and remember that God is entrusting us with his kids, uh, not ultimately, but in some pretty significant ways. And we want to make ourselves available more than we want to make ourselves like big because of um, any ego that can come from it. Um, and the second thing I, I think is to be attentive. With, with every uh, child that we looked at uh, in this season, you know, there were terrible things that happened. Um, it, it's like, it, it's been a, a joy to record, but there are some pretty grim things that these people did in ways that leadership did not step in or just kind of allowed them to happen. Um, but with every single one, not only have we identified ourselves, but we've been able to look at ways in which in no way condoning the things that happened, we could still look at it and say, oh, but I, but I, I get that. Like, I get why in this situation this person would feel this way. I get that trauma played a huge role in so many of these stories. Uh, again, not condoning any of it, but recognizing that, you know, these stories are full of broken people and the world is full of broken people. And I think as shepherds in our various flocks, there's, there's, a, there's a responsibility to be attentive and to recognize, not to not rush to recognize the sin in the people that we see, although there is a, definitely a place for that, but to recognize the brokenness that has led to that and to meet people where they are as Jesus meets us where we are every single day, not excusing away things that are oh, apart from him, but speaking the truth in love. And I think that, yeah, and in the same way that I, like uh, our theme verse talks about not lording things over the flock we as well need to come with come to people recognizing as much of them as we possibly can and offering ourselves as a picture of christ to them um so yeah attentiveness and trepidation and reverence for being spiritual leaders and that is it everybody season three is in the books but we will be back next week oh 
will we be back next week for our end of year special we have been talking about this for months we are very very excited so come hang out with us uh charles is gonna make drinks we're gonna sit around and talk about the year that was 2020 uh highs lows everything in between we're gonna look ahead to 2021 and new year's resolutions it's just gonna be a great time so definitely check that out when it drops next week we have been delighted to be doing this uh, for the latter half of 2020, and we are really excited for everything coming to in the future. And until we close out next week, you can check us out at atthewell.podbean.com. We upload new episodes every Monday on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. You can also connect with us on Twitter and Instagram by searching Three Guys at the Well, and head over to our Facebook page to keep the conversation going in a space reserved for further discussion of the topics we cover in each week's episode. We'll talk to you next week here at the Well. <laughs>